Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning broadcast this morning. We trust that God has been good to you this week and you're blessed. You're just blessed today to be able to listen to the to his word, to be able to worship. We hope that you're tuning in. If you are, if you're watching this morning, message some of your family, some of your friends, and let them know that there is an opportunity for them to hear the Word of God, to hear it without any compromise, to hear it with love, to hear it with passion, to hear the truth of God's Word. There are many in our society today who need to hear about Jesus. We have been looking at the book of Mark, and we're going to continue with that this morning. We're going to begin reading with verse 21 out of chapter 1. Before we do that, though, we want to go to the Lord in prayer. We want to remember our nation. Our nation is struggling. We continue to struggle with COVID-19. We struggle with racism. We struggle with rioting and unjustified violence. We struggle with improper and unnecessary attacks on good law enforcement. We're struggling and we're heading down a very bad road. We need to turn around. We need to repent. That's what the Bible tells us. Tells us to repent. And we need to do so. Two wrongs don't make a right. If you really want to see things changed and you have a good heart for it, then let that change begin in you. Not your neighbor. Not another political party. Not the person sitting across from you in church or in front of you or behind you. But you. Let it begin with you. If we all looked inside of ourselves and saw the failure and the fault and the shortcoming that God sees in us, we would all be falling upon our knees in repentance. That's where we need to be. That, that, that humility is where we need to be today. There are a lot of people hurting. A lot of people struggling. There are people today who are dealing with the heartbreak of the loss of loved ones. There are people who are struggling with sickness. There are things that have previously been addressed and have been the heartfelt concerns of many in our nation and now they have fallen by the wayside for the preference of something that draws greater attention. When are we going to start placing attention once again on the things that are right and pure. On the Word of God. On where it stands in our life. Let's pray. 
today for a right heart, for a proper heart toward God. Because once we get right with God, getting right with one another isn't a problem. It becomes simple when we're right with God. So join me in prayer, and then we will begin Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of opening your word this morning. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all of those that are watching today and all that will watch. Lord, we pray that you would point this message to those, to the hearts that you know need it today. Lord, we pray that it would be an encouragement. We pray that it would be an inspiration. We pray that it would show the cross in Jesus Christ to all of those who are listening and all who are hearing this morning. Now, Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, if it wasn't for him today, I wouldn't be able to stand here. Lord, if it wasn't for Jesus today, I wouldn't be able to proclaim his word. I wouldn't be able to give a testimony of his saving grace. I wouldn't be able to be a witness to grace and mercy to being saved by grace through faith. Lord, I love you today. I love your word. Lord, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that I would not be seen, but the cross would. That the word of God would accomplish everything you purposed it to do, and that it would not return to you void. In all things, we'll give Jesus praise, honor, and glory. It's in his name I pray. Amen. As I said, we're going to God's Word. Mark, chapter 1, beginning with verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, and not as the scribes. And there was in, the, in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying let us alone what have we to do with thee thou Jesus of Nazareth art thou come to destroy us I know thee who thou art the Holy One of God and Jesus rebuked him saying hold thy peace and come out of him and when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region, round about. Galilee. So Jesus comes into Capernaum. It is there he begins to teach. He goes into the synagogue. Now I think we need to understand something. The use of the synagogue in Jesus' day was not the same as the use of the synagogue today. In Jesus' day, the synagogue was a teaching center. The temple was where worship was conducted, where sacrifice was made, where prayers were offered. But the synagogue is where people gathered 
on a very regular basis to hear teaching. It's not uncommon to know that there was the daily teaching in the synagogues around Galilee, Capernaum, and in these areas that Jesus and the apostles frequented. So Jesus went into a teaching center, and when he went there, he was given the opportunity to teach. He was given the opportunity to share, and he did teach. And they were astonished. That word astonished describes what they felt when Jesus spoke. It was a feeling that many, if not most of them, had never experienced in their life. Maybe you remember the first time you sat under the preaching of the Word of God and Jesus really spoke to you. Maybe you remember that feeling. Maybe you remember that feeling when the Holy Spirit dwelt in your heart and touched you. And you knew you had to be saved. You knew that salvation was for you. You knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that you were astonished by the presence of Jesus in your life and the impact that he was making in your heart. These folks in Capernaum, they felt that way. They had that feeling of astonishment at what he taught and the authority that he taught with. He had influence. That's what that word authority means. It means he had influence in their life. Jesus will have influence in our lives. Jesus should be having influence in your life, Christian. If you can raise your hand today and you can say, I know that I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I remember the time when it happened. Then Jesus ought to have influence in your heart today. Jesus ought to have more influence than anything. More influence than your politics. More influence than your denomination. More influence than anything that's going on in your heart and life. It ought to be Jesus and it ought to be the Word of God that is driving that influence. We can, we can be we can be excited by charismatic preaching and teaching. Now, we can be stirred up by motivation. And our hearts can be broken with conviction. Ourselves strengthened by conviction. But when we come to influence, when we come to seeing authority, it ought to come from Jesus. And it ought to come from His Word that He gave us. That's what these folks in Capernaum felt. Not as scribes. Not as scribes. Now I'm going to get on to something here for just a moment. And I want you to think about this. You see, the scribe was a very well-educated person. The scribe was someone that was taught the law and was taught how to interpret it was taught how to do a lot of things with it. The only problem with the scribe of the New Testament, the scribe of the New Testament had been involved with government and liberal theology. The scribe had been told 
and indoctrinated in what to say in order to appease the government and in order to appease the Sanhedrin. Not all of them were that way. Many were. Today, often the scribe is likened to someone who stands in the pulpit and has a, a greater education, has a master's degree or a doctorate or something of that nature. Well, I want you to understand something. That isn't an adequate picture. That's not appropriate. You see, a person can stand in a pulpit and they can have a good intellectual grasp on what's going on from God's Word. They can be saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. They can be called of the Holy Spirit to preach. They can be ordained to do so. They, 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 they can be touched and they can be moved and God can speak through them. And God can use what that intelligence and what that intellect has been brought to in order to forward and further His Word. And on the other hand, if someone is a shyster, if someone has compromised the Word of God, if someone is moving more into the intellect of man and wanting to preach to the population, they don't have to have an education to do that. Being a shyster and being a snake oil salesman has been around a lot longer than educated people in a pulpit. Listen, folks. Some of the scribes were good godly people. Many of them weren't. Some of the men standing in pulpits today are getting a bad deal and getting a raw deal simply because they have an education and an intellect to study and to move God's Word. Be careful how you approach someone and make sure you know what you're talking about before you point a finger at them and accuse them of not being a calm man of God and being a shyster. Make sure you know what you're talking about. Because it will be you that will be held in condemnation. Not them. I want to point out some things this morning. First, I want you to know that men will teach Christ only if they're taught by Christ. A person can have a good education in a seminary or in a college and still be taught by Christ. Christ can lead them, guide them, direct them and can move them through all of the indoctrination and get them into the anointing of His Word. When we're looking for people today who are, we're going to sit under, who are going to preach to us, who are going to teach to us, we want them to have the authority of the gifting and of the, of the moving of the Holy Spirit in their life. We want to see God's hand upon them. And we want to know that what they're given is God's Word. Just because it's popular among a group of people doesn't mean it's God's Word. Remember in the Old Testament when 12 spies were being sent into Israel? God had already promised that He was going to give them everything that He had promised to, that He had told them. All they had to do was go claim it. Yet 10 came back and said, no, we can't. 10, that was the popular majority. 
Caleb and Joshua said, no, God give it to us. Let's go take it. Yet Israel said, no, we won't go because the majority, what's popular, tells us otherwise. Folks, God's word isn't always popular among people. God's word isn't always popular even among the church. I know of a lot of times when the popularity of the church said we ought to do this and God's word said we needed to go another direction. We went the wrong way and the church suffered because of it. God's word isn't always a popular thing, but it's always the thing with authority. It is always what will influence people. It is always the thing that will astonish our hearts and our lives. So are we moving with authority from God through Christ directed by His Word? That's something that you have to ask yourself. You, as a Christian, are you moving with the authority that these folks in Cape Hernan felt? Or are you moving under some other don't follow that path if you are turn, repent get out of that come back to Jesus come back to the word of God even if it lets you stand alone stand alone on the word of God I know how that feels I've been there, I've done it it's lonely you don't have a lot of people that will come up and that will shake your hand and that will tell you you're doing the right thing. But you always know that what you do, you can back up with the Word of God. That's what Christ done when He came there and He taught. He did not worry about the Sanhedrin. He did not worry about the Pharisees. He didn't worry about the Sadducees. He didn't worry about the scribes. He didn't worry about any of those and how they felt and what their popularity was. He came to pronounce the word of the living God to people as they needed it because it was time to see people's souls saved. It was time to see people believe in Him and believe the gospel. It was that time. How far did, did Jesus' authority go? Well, we have an example. There was an unclean spirit in a man. A man was demon-possessed. And he was there, and when he was there among the presence of Jesus, Jesus didn't call him out. The demon just spoke out. As a matter of fact, the demon cried out, Let us alone. I want to park right there for a moment or two. The demons say, Leave us alone. I want you to think about some things going on in this country today. Maybe even around the world. And I want you to think what, think about what they're saying to a national audience. The abortionists. They're saying that they want and they're going to do and conduct abortions right up to the very last moment during the birth of a child. And who are you to say we can't? 
Leave us alone. You have the same-sex couples. And they say, we're, we've got a right to live our lives the way we want to live our lives. We've got a right to love who we want to love. We've got a right to behave any way we want to behave. Leave us alone. Look at the rioters and the protesters. And they're saying, we've taken over this. And we've, we've made our mark. And we've set our barriers and our standards. Leave us alone. Look at the many other things that are taking place. That are taking place in the name of religion. And that are taking place in the name of government. That are taking place in the name of politics. And they all say, leave us alone. The very same words the demons from hell said to Jesus about this one man. Leave us alone. What have we to do with them? What do we have to do with you, Jesus? We're not part of you. We're not associated with you. You go hang with your crowd and you leave us alone. Isn't that what they tell the church today? Don't they tell the church to go mind their own business? Don't they go tell the Christian to go mind his own business? Don't they tell others to go mind their own business? Just leave us alone. That's what the demons from hell told Jesus. Go mind your own business and leave us alone. But Jesus couldn't do that. Jesus couldn't do that. They said they knew who he was. We know you are the Holy One of God. But go leave us alone. Go hang with your own people. And Jesus told them to shut up. He said, hold your peace. And come out of that man. Folks, it's time that the church tells ungodliness, wickedness, and evil to shut up and get out of here. But it's time the church does it under the authority of Jesus. It's time the church gets out from behind a cloud of politics. It's time the church gets out from behind all of the other junk that we've been hiding behind. It's time that we quit trying to appease people Quit trying to get large crowds. Quit trying to coddle to this group and coddle to that group. It's time that we get back in line with Jesus. And it's time that we get prayed up. It's time we get repented and cleaned out. It's time that we get back into the authority of Jesus Christ. And it's time that we come up and we look at sin right square in the eye. And we say, hold your peace. Shut up and get out. It's time that we take the position and the place that Jesus has saved us to take. We are the church, the body of Christ. 
And it's time that we behave as the body of Christ and we let Christ be the head of us. Nothing else. The body of Christ isn't some two-headed freak. We don't have Christ and something else. It's Christ and Christ alone that is our head. And we are His body. When are we going to tell sin to shut up and get out? When are we going to start begin with our lives? Cleaning up our life. When will the Christian quit living in fornication and adultery and immorality and sexual sins? When will the church quit worrying about financial status? When will the church quit trying to impress the community with big buildings on the big side of town with a parking lot full of big nice cars and high-giving big muddy rollers that are sitting in the congregation? When will the church start worried about getting its hands dirty in the gospel of Jesus Christ? When will we quit worrying about big salaries and start worrying about the, the big problems of sin and the saving of souls that are in the trenches and in the streets of this nation and around the world. When are we going to begin with us and we're going to tell the sin that's within us to get out? To get out. And start getting back to where Jesus wants us to be. To do the work He wants us to do. And that's not easy. Because let's look at what happened to that man. When the unclean spirit had torn him. That word torn is a word that, in, that, that, in, that discusses or interprets a word in the English that's more along the lines of a convulsion. Have you ever seen someone in a convulsion? A seizure? whatever time their body twists and turns and jerks and jumps it is something that's not they have no control of it is a violent tiring wiring out episode when we start casting evil out even in our own lives be prepared for seizures be prepared for convulsions. Be prepared, prepared to be torn from the inside out. Because it will affect you like nothing in your life has ever affected you. But it will result in something that has, has an effect over your life like nothing else has ever had an effect over you. The casting out of evil always comes with a price. So does the holding on to evil. Sin will cost you more than you're willing to pay. It will stay with you longer than you were wanting it to stay. It will create in you a destiny that you were not willing to travel. 
cast it out while you can. We can't cast something out of someone else's life that we hold dear in our own. Remember the story of Christ? Remember the parable? Don't worry about taking the beam out of your brother's eye or the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a beam in your own. Folks, when are we going to get it? What's it going to take for you and for me to get our heart wrapped around what God's Word is telling us? There's evil and sin in our lives that need to be purged. But it's going to be painful. But it's needful. You see, there's a thing that goes with it. There's an amazement in verse 27. An amazement that says they, they question among themselves what thing is this, what new doctrine. Can you imagine the entire Old Testament, the doctrine of not being involved in evil. Can you imagine a group of people that, not, that do not know it? Look around you in this country today, and you have one or two generations of people that haven't the foggiest idea the difference between good and evil, between righteousness and unrighteousness, between sin and salvation. They're looking at at this and they're seeing it as a new doctrine and they doubt it. Why do they doubt it? Because they see it lived out so poorly in front of them. Yes, it comes back to you and I. I'm not trying to browbeat anybody, but I'm laying out the Word of God as it will apply in people's lives. They saw evil rebuke and cast out and leave and they saw what it takes and what it does. And they saw the authority of Christ in it. Do they see the authority of Christ in us? As the church. As the body of Christ. If not, why not? That's what I'm coming down to in the end this morning. If not, why not? Because it's supposed to be there. We fret and we worry about the road and the path our nation is taking and we worry about what tomorrow is going to bring. But we look over the obvious because of our worry. And the obvious is asking ourselves the tough questions first. If not, why not? If they're not seeing the authority of Christ in me, why not? If they're not seeing a testimony and a witness of salvation in me, why not? If they're not seeing the gospel and hearing the gospel from me, why not? If my children aren't seeing it in my life, why not? I've been out in some of the big box stores recently. Matter of fact, I was in one yesterday. And I was walking down an aisle, and in the next aisle over, <coughs> I heard <coughs> some of the filthiest, <coughs> some of the filthiest and some of the vulgarest language coming out of a man's mouth that I've heard outside of the prison that I work in. And you know who he was talking to? 
his young son, three or four years old. And yet, that little boy will probably be going to vacation Bible school somewhere this year. Mama and Daddy may even be going to church this morning. If this is the way that we're bringing up our children in this nation today, and they do not see God respected in the home and through Mama and Daddy, through the parents, if they don't see it there, why do we ask the question, don't they get it when they get later in life? Why do we ask the question, where did they get this from? Where did they get that from? They got it from us. If we fail to live it the way we're supposed to live it. And it doesn't matter if it's a single home, a single parent home, a broken home, a home with step parents. It doesn't matter if it's grandparents that are being the role models and those that are doing the teaching. If it's not being taught in your home today, why not? Until we're willing to answer those tough questions in our life personally, how do we expect God to change anything in this nation? Because there's no example of all. We're the example. Us. Us. And what happens when that example follows Jesus. Look at verse 28. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. His fame. We got a problem today about wanting to be famous. Pastors want to be famous. Churches want to be famous. Christians want to be famous. Denominations want to be famous. Very few people want to step aside and see Jesus be famous. Jesus gets glorified. Jesus becomes famous when it's done His way. So, if not, why not? If we do it Jesus' way, His fame is going to be spread around. Is that not the Great Commission? Is that not what we're asked to do as His disciples? Is our discipleship not spreading his fame? Listen, it isn't asking too much for us to step back and put Jesus in front of us. It isn't asking too much for us to follow John the Baptist and decrease so that he can increase. As a matter of fact, if we're not willing to do that, why not? And how how can we justify through the Word of God? 
if we're going to live in submission to the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God, then it has to be about Jesus. If you're not saved this morning, you can be as religious as you want to be, and you'll still die. If you are saved this morning and you're walking or down the wrong road and you're not following Christ today, you may make it to heaven, but you will make it to heaven with the blood of a lot of people on your hands. If you're following Christ today, you know the struggles that I speak of. You know what it's like to be torn from the inside out, looking at yourself. Looking at yourself and casting out evil so that you can look at others with the mercy of Jesus that He has shown you. Where are you today? Are you where Jesus wants you to be? According to His Word. If not, why not? You can't justify it any other way other than to say, I have failed the Lord. This is your opportunity. This is your chance to make full circle. This is your chance to get saved. This is your chance to make things right. This is your opportunity to get right with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for that one that is lost and watching this broadcast. Lord, I pray that you'll touch that heart. I pray that you'll convict that soul. I pray that they will repent and that they will call upon you in the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray this morning for that wayward Christian, that Christian that is going down the wrong path today, the Christian who is looking for praise or popularity or fame or fortune. Lord, I pray that you'll turn them about and they'll seek the fame of Jesus over their own personal fame today. Lord, I pray for that one this morning that is, that, that is trying, that is looking from within, that is experiencing uh, this tearing and they, they look for the evil inside of themselves and they look for it to be cast out. Lord, I pray that that humility won't go unnoticed in heaven. I pray that you'll strengthen them and encourage them. Lord, I pray this morning that you would see souls saved. I pray, Heavenly Father, that your church would seek revival in this land. I pray that we would come about and we would be the body of Christ. May everything that's done be done to glorify God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for watching this morning. I hope this has been a blessing and an encouragement to you. I hope it's touched your heart and your life for the good of your walk with Christ. Until we can meet again, may God bless you is my prayer.